You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Where is he? What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. James hitting you with the surprise dance moves today. He's James Rapine. I'm Jake. Let's go. We've got another training camp update for you today. We're going to start with a focus on the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow. It's actually been a couple of days since we really spent a lot of time (laughs) talking about Joe Burrow on this show, which feels really strange as he's coming back from that injury. I guess we talked about yesterday that he's not going to play preseason week two, but he's continuing to practice and he's starting to do some things that we haven't seen so much before. We're going to start there with Joe Burrow, his progress and what he did on Tuesday. Then we have some other practice notes, including the developing offensive guard rotation at left guard and right guard as the competition seems to be really crystallizing and who's competing for those number one jobs at this point in camp. And then we're going to finish up with Jamal Adams' contract. How does it impact the Jesse Bates negotiations and What does it tell us about where the Bengals and Bates might be? James, let's start, though, with Joe Burrow, making headlines on Twitter, at least on Tuesday, for the first deep vertical bomb, you might say, of training camp so far. Training camp, by the way, last practice on Wednesday. So when we say the first, we're almost at the end of training camp, and there clearly hasn't been a vertical emphasis in camp, so it's not like he's had a ton of opportunities, but some of the ones that he has had have come up just a little bit short, just a little bit long, or just have had good coverage. This one finds CJ Uzama deep down the seam for a very exciting and emphatic celebration for CJ Uzama who gets into the end zone. No doubt. I mean, highlight of the day, best ball burrows thrown all camp. And you're right, that's the odd part. With all the emphasis and the talk about the deep ball, we haven't seen any deep balls, really, uh, this uh, during this team periods, at least, during the team periods of training camp. And I, I think that's weird. Maybe Zach Taylor doesn't want us to see those, and they're doing it behind closed doors, and they're waiting till real practice co- uh, starts after camp ends later this week. So maybe they'll just put an emphasis on that starting next week. But you're right. The, the play to Uzama was, uh, it was awesome. So you're talking about a play action fake. So he wasn't in shotgun, which we saw a lot of last year. Play action fake to Mixon. He's on the run. So it's not like he stopped, planted, set himself through it. He's on the run and just launches this ball. And it's a perfect teardrop to CJ Uzama. Trey Wings was in coverage, but the ball was placed so perfectly that it didn't matter who was in coverage. Deion Sanders, Trey Wings. And Wayne's had pretty good position. Uh, William Jackson III, all three of them, it it still would have been completed. And uh, you're right, C.J. Uzama, he makes the catch. And then he yells, duck, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, you might have your kids in your car while you're listening to this or watching this. And so that's what he he yelled. And, uh, you know, it uh, it was a great celebration for Uzama. And it was just a a beautiful ball. And there's going to be those wondering – Where's the clip? Where's the clip? That was during the non-video portion of practice because it was 11 on 11. And so I was not allowed to film it, unfortunately. But I wish, I wish I could show you that deep ball because it was it was one of Burrow's best throws probably since joining the team and being drafted, honestly, not just this training camp. 
maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, who I assume have the discretion to do so, will put the play out on their own social media channels. That would be really nice. Uh, yes. So if you're listening, there's just free money for you, Cincinnati Bengals. If, if you want to generate some hype, find a way to cut that play up so it doesn't tip anything and, and put it out there. Even if it's just like the tail end in the throw, it sounds like, to your point, James, and from the descriptions I've seen on Twitter, play action from under center with a boot. It sounds like the play action was to the left side. Maybe it's a wide zone look on the play action and it was a boot right. Mm-hmm. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. Yeah, 100%. And pretty impressive to, to hit that throw. It sounds like perfect ball placement on the run. Can you give an idea? Can you, can you paint a visual picture where they were on the field, where the throw landed, how deep it was, and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, they're probably about midfield-ish, I would say. And, and so it's tough because you don't have the exact yard markers or more vertically on the, you know one side. So it's not like we're in the middle of the field. It can look exactly... Um, but yeah, it was, it was at probably at least 40 air yards. I think that's a, probably a fair number, give or take. And I, I would probably give more. It's probably between 40 and 45. I don't think it was a 30 yard throw by any stretch. Uh, so I'd say at least 40 air yards. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just on the run and that, like, that, that's the thing to me about all of it is on the run didn't hesitate, didn't flinch, didn't do anything. And it wasn't like he was pressured. It was just part of the play, and he felt comfortable launching it, and it was a perfect ball. Now, Uzama, his route, he started to the left of Burrow where the play action was going and ended up on the right hash, essentially, when he was crossing the end zone. So it it was obviously a a vertical route, but he was going towards Burrow's, you know, towards the side that Burrow was rolling out to as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really great to see them take that vertical shot. We haven't seen a whole lot of vertical offense from this team in practice. Certainly didn't see it in preseason week one. Not that Joe Burrow's out there anyway, but I think there was maybe like one double move to Trenton Irwin in that first game, and and it was called back for a holding penalty. So a lot of short game, a lot of screen game in that first week. Sounds like maybe the emphasis this week more on the play action game. And sign me up for some play action game. I'm not sure how much of it they'll show in preseason week two. That's some of the stuff that you like to keep under wraps, I think until the regular season comes around and maybe James, to your point, they're keeping wraps on the vertical game a little bit too. And we'll see if that starts to come up a little bit more in the regular season. Part of this is also probably, you know, some self-awareness about the offensive line issues that they're having while they're trying to work it out, making sure that they can run an effective offense if they are restricted Again, God forbid, and we're in this situation. We're going to talk about the guard rotation in a little bit. Before we get there, Lou Anarumo also spoke today, James, and had some really positive things to say about the trajectory of the offense in Joe Burrow. And I find it interesting that, yes, Lou spoke today. We're going to talk about what he had to say with regards to the offense because he's a little bit more tight-lipped about you know his praise for the defense. Yeah, it was – look, I, I was sitting through this Lou Anarumo news conference and he was talking about the defense and recapping Saturday's game. And, hell, at this point it's Tuesday afternoon or late morning, early afternoon, and I'm like, okay, well, we're just as close to the Washington game as we were from the Tampa Bay game. And so everyone's asking him about that stuff. Well, I want to know – get him talking about something else, something that I can actually use, right, something that's noteworthy. So I ask him about Joe Burrow because we've seen an improvement. But has he? 
And it turns out he has. He said, quote, you can see Joe really settling in and the ball is zinging out of his hand. He mentioned T. Higgins climbing uh, the ladder on Monday, making a huge contested catch. Jamar Chase with some double moves and some different things uh, that he was using to, to get open. And obviously that this comment was on the heels of Chase's three touchdown practice. Um, and he said, overall, we're a more physical team across the board. And he can see their confidence ticking up. Uh, and to me, that starts with Burrow because their confidence is fueled by him. And he starts to have success and, and look like himself. Well, now they're going to be like, okay, well, let's go. Now we're ready to rock. And you've really seen that over the past 10 days, I would say, is about uh, the right time period of where camp kind of changed for Burrow. He looks the part. And we're just seeing it now. It's just practice on practice, Jake, where we're talking about a throw to Uzama or the throw to Mike Thomas on a crosser that I think Ben Baby of ESPN tweeted about. And that was a, a nice catch by Thomas, by the way. And it's just it, it, it seems like there's always a player to every practice now. And that wasn't the case early in camp during the team periods. There, look, the offense isn't going to dominate every second, but you want to see the flashes. And we've seen the flashes over the past week or so. And uh, Anarumo was excited, by the way. He said, look, hopefully we can just be sitting on the bench all season. He said the best defense is sitting on the bench. So, uh, you know, if the offense does its job, that would be the case. Yeah, it's good to see that Burrow's just finding that sense of normalcy. Again, that's a big takeaway for me is it's not like, oh, he's struggling. It's he's doing his thing. He's a normal quarterback who we're excited about. And it's almost understated at this point. James, when's the next time we hear from Burrow? We don't know exactly. Um, he probably won't Wednesday talk this perhaps. week. Potentially. If, if he plays the 29th, then maybe he would talk next Wednesday. Okay. Well, we'll see when we hear from Burrow again to get his perspective on how he's doing. We don't have it today, so we move on to the rest of practice. Coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, including Joe Burrow for comeback player of the year. I'm telling you, Joe is coming into his own. Maybe you want to wager on that, or maybe you think it's going to be the other Joe, Joe Mixon. Or maybe Dak Prescott, if you're watching Hard Knocks. I don't know about that, but I know that's one of the betting favorites as well. The point is, at betonline.ag, they have NFL prop bets. They have Major League Baseball. They have standing. So if you want to take the over-under uh, on the, the Bengals' win total, you can do that. Or you want to take them to win the AFC North, you can do that as well. So check them out right now, betonline.ag. And when you're there signing up for free and you go to make that first deposit, take advantage of free money. By using the promo code LOCKED ON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, go to betonline.ag, sign up, and when you make that first deposit, use promo code LOCKED ON for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. James, the big story for me at camp today, or really this week, continues to be what's going on with the guards. Yesterday, we saw Deontay Smith getting his chance. Today, Xavier Suofilo in there with the yeah. ones what hasn't changed unfortunately for people that were hoping for Jackson Carmen to step in and start I guess is that he's still working with today the second unit because the other guys were rotating in with the ones but he's effectively clearly behind all the four other candidates for starting guard spots which as of Tuesday the last Tuesday of training camp appear to be probably the favorites I would say Quentin Spain at left guard and Mike Jordan at right guard apparently, and Xavier Suofilo in the mix at right guard with Deontay Smith in the mix at left guard. And 
some surprises there to be sure. And we're seeing the rotation happening. And this is something that the way the coaches were talking about week two, shuffling guys around, figuring out who the best guys were going to be. I thought this would happen. And so on Tuesday, you're seeing Xavier Suofilo and Mike Jordan both working with the ones at times. You're seeing Deontay Smith and Quentin Spain both working with the ones at times. And I wonder if that means for preseason game two, you're going to see those guys rotating in with the ones for maybe two, four series. I don't know how long the starters are going to get. Four series would take you into the second half, by the way, of preseason game one. So it'll probably depend on the pace of the game a little bit. But I I wonder if we're going to see that rotation happen in the game against Washington, where you'll get a real feel for how these guys fare against some better competition. You have to um, for a bunch of reasons. Look, I need to figure out who can be the five to protect Burrow on September 12th. You only have eight quarters left, right? And I get it, you know, it practice and you can evaluate practice, but they're not going live in practice. They're blocking some, but it's not the same. And, and so you need to see it. And you have this team in Washington that has such a good front. And, and even so, even if they do take their starters out, I don't care. This is about you, right? And you basically taking this practice game and figuring out what you have. And so honestly, I don't care if they play, like if, if they know deep down that Jackson Carmen is not ready, I don't care if he doesn't get in until the fourth quarter because you need to figure out, and that, that might sound crazy to some people, I need to figure out who the hell's protecting Joe Burrow because as of now, at least publicly, they haven't ruled out playing Joe on the 29th against Miami. Well, I need the starting line to be set if I'm going to put Joe Burrow in a preseason game. That's just my opinion. I'm not going to be rotating Deontay Smith and Michael Jordan and Xavier Stuofilo and, oh, maybe it'll be Quentin Spain today. No, no, no. I'm going to figure that out. And so that's part of it as well. But, uh, yeah, they have to to figure this out. The good news is they do have time, but only eight quarters of football, of, of real football, live football. So if they use two and a half quarters and they give each of these guys three series or three quarters and, and the game's moving fast, and I would assume that would be about right, and I would, I'm just kind of estimating there, then I would be okay with it because you got to figure it out at some point. And uh, the, the the clock is burning and ticking, and I get it. People want Jackson Carmen. He's the second rounder. I think the Bengals know at this stage that he's not ready. Maybe he is, but I, I don't think he's ready to start, and I don't think he's going to start week one. The way things are going, it doesn't seem like the Bengals believe Jackson Carmen is ready. But you did see from Dan Horde yesterday, I asked you after the show, you said this is on the far side of the field, so you can't see it. But Jackson Carmen was out there again on mm-hmm. Monday with Frank Pollock after practice. That's all you can really ask at this point, knowing that he he doesn't appear to be ready. He doesn't appear to be comfortable. There have been certainly some indications from the coaching staff that he needs to be in better shape. Brian Callahan even saying so, so far as, uh, you know, he needs to take more positive steps. And so the fact that he is putting in the extra time, trying to do a little bit of extra work, that is important. That is noteworthy. We should give him credit for that. But it does seem like the competition is between these four guys. At least there's a competition. And, and you're not mm-hmm. just like, you know what? Mike Jordan, Quentin Spain, nobody's pushing you. Because the competition should help those guys a little bit, should motivate them. And Frank Pollock should help as well. 
at the same time, I've said this before, and you know, I'll say it again, probably getting to training camp and having a competition for both guard spots is a failure of the off season. And so while we're watching it and we hope that something develops there and they figure it out, the fact that we're here and we're talking about it, that, that, that is in itself, I think, an indication that they should have done more. Trade for Gabe Jackson, fifth round pick, traded for Gabe Jackson, right? You get Gabe Jackson in there, you have a veteran that you feel good about. Or, you know, any of the other guys we talked about, Zeitler, Filer, Tooney, they get, they get outbid, whatever it is. They had opportunities and instead they chose, we're going to draft some guys. We're going to try to develop our own guys. And now we have a competition without a guy that everybody feels is a reliable player right now. And so it's unfortunate that that they've kind of reached a spot. I didn't intend to go this negative on this segment, by the way, and we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I do think that to be clear, I think this was a failure of the free agency period. That. It's totally fair and it's 100% accurate. It is. You know, I, I think Quentin Spain was kind of the front runner, and Deontay Smith has just been so impressive that he's kind of forced their hand, which is good to give the, the give him reps at left guard. How about you put him at right guard? How about you give him a shot there? In fact, I don't care if Deontay Smith plays all the snaps on Friday. He plays the whole game and he's just getting reps all over left guard, right guard. If you, if you need to play, I don't care because you're trying to figure out if he's ready to go, if he's able to protect the franchise. And look, I think part of this, by the way, with Smith's emergence might be that last year was a COVID year. It was really weird. There was not a lot of tape on him and he gained all this weight, good weight, it seems like. And now suddenly he's just a different player. And so what was a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder, obviously they got him in the fourth round. He might be a second round talent now. I don't know. So I can see the path where he is good enough to start, but their best starters might be Smith at right ta- or right guard in Spain at left guard. Like that might really be it. Like that's not it crazy to me. So to me, if they're going to do the shuffle, make sure you at least get Smith some looks at right guard. I know what Michael Jordan is at left guard. I've seen Xavier Suofilo at left guard. So you don't really need to, to check in on that. And you know what Spain is and you're seeing Smith. Why not get Smith some reps at, on the right side? I think that that's the next thing that should happen. It didn't happen Monday. It didn't happen Tuesday. Maybe Wednesday. And more importantly, Friday against Washington. I would like to see that as well. I think we've talked about that. I would like to see Billy Price getting some reps at guard at some point as well. It, it doesn't seem it like... Either. Doesn't seem like that's in their plan at all. A couple quick notes before we discuss Jamal Adams, Jesse Bates, Eli Apple, and Ricardo Allen return to practice. That's exciting stuff. Hopefully, Eli Apple plays. I'm not sure if he will be ready to go in time for Friday, but I would like to see him play. Ricardo Allen, we talked about this. Some people were pretty excited about the Bengals' backup safeties because they had a couple of interceptions. I mean, they're tip drill balls. I would give the credit to the corner on those plays. I, I thought that they got picked on a little bit. Well, it, it is hard to tell, to be fair. Brandon Wilson certainly got picked on in coverage a couple times, but it is hard to tell because you can't see it. We don't have the all 22. So we'll, we'll see about that. Last note, kicker. It's over. It's over, in the words of Vince Carter. Uh, two missed field goals today for Evan Seibert, and that's not why it's over or anything. It's just Evan another... Seibert, Austin Seibert, Austin. Austin. Seibert. It's just an, it's just another reason to to indicate that Evan McPherson <laughs> has almost certainly 
secured the kicking job. Coming up next, James, let's discuss the Jamal Adams deal and what that might mean for Jesse Bates. Well, Austin Seibert might have lost the kicking battle. It doesn't mean he's going to lose the war. He's trying to catch on with one of these other NFL teams. We kind of known that from the start. You know what could probably help him and help you and help all of us through our day-to-day? Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. I love Built Bars, and it's not just the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate or that they come in nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited-time flavor. It's because they're protein-packed and they're macro-friendly, high in protein, low in calories, low in carbs, low in sugar, perfect for you. So check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. And when you're there, make sure you use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, don't be like some of these people that aren't getting on the Built Bar plan. Join the movement right now at BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. We're going to wrap today's show with a discussion of Jamal Adams' deal and the ongoing Jesse Bates negotiations. The last time we heard from Jesse Bates, he said the Bengals don't see me as one of the top safeties in the league. And now we know what financially one of the top safeties in the league is going to be paid. Jamal Adams coming in at four years, $70 million, according to Ian Rappaport, $38 million guaranteed. I believe that's just north. I'm going to do some quick math of $17 million a year. It's 17 and a half million per year. And I imagine that gives you a ballpark of what Jesse Bates is looking for, maybe even a little bit more. And the way he discussed it, I mean, we're guessing, but you could potentially infer that the Bengals didn't really come close to that number. Maybe they were a few million dollars off. Maybe the guaranteed money is what was off, but we, we don't have a better feel really. We, we don't, we haven't heard anything I should say that indicates that these talks have resumed, that they've gotten closer at least now with Jamal Adams having signed this deal, both teams know this is what safeties are getting paid in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's, It's a benchmark, and there were some Bengals fans that when this news came out, they were like, yeah, here we go. Now the Bengals can – you don't think the Bengals knew that Jamal Adams wanted around $18 million per year? Of course. So they knew where the market would be if he got his deal done first. That's really not a shock at all, and he can get up to to $72 million where he gets to that $18 million per year number with a couple escalators and incentives and stuff. So, look, ultimately – what the Bengals have said to this point, maybe they have a change of heart, but to this point, is Jesse, you're really, really good, and we want you. But we don't think that you are as good as some of these other safeties, right? And maybe they're throwing out the fact that he didn't make a Pro Bowl last year or the fact that it was a one-year wonder-type season. I wouldn't say that because I've seen it gradually build. And for a player who's younger than Joe Burrow, that's how you expect them to to grow into a star if you think they have that star potential. Um, but maybe they think that or they think, oh, you're just a second team all pro. You only had three picks like there, there are parts of your game that need to get better. You need to show us more. It's a dangerous game to me. And the thing that, you know, for me, when I look at this Bengals roster, when I look at their contracts, they signed all these free agents. Right, Jake. And you're big on the guaranteed money. And, and I think that's that's going to be the sticking point here more than anything. Like, I think Bates 
would he sign for 16 million per? He probably would have a week ago or two weeks ago, and he still might. But the guaranteed money, the most guaranteed money on this roster outside of Burrow, 36 million, Jamar Chase, 31 million. And those are rookie contracts. They're guaranteed already. It's not like the Bengals have any say in those. Is DJ Reader at 20. And so they've signed all these free agents, and the guaranteed money is low. And so if you're Bates' agent or you're Bates, and you see that Adams got 38 million guaranteed, over half of that deal is guaranteed. You're going to take 20 million guaranteed, 24 million guaranteed. And that's the part of this that I think. I don't know if it gets done because if, if they're stubborn on wanting guaranteed money, well, we know what the Bengals are and how stubborn they are about not giving up guaranteed money. It's a, another part of this organization that really needs to modernize. And <laughs> some, some rule changes have gone into place that I think actually should help this team guarantee more money. They should be able to do bigger signing bonuses because there's less money required to be escrowed now on a percentage basis than there used to be. And I, I know that's all very complicated, I guess. Uh, once you get into the salary cap details, I don't fully understand it. But to my knowledge, teams now do not have to put that money away. And, and you know, if you've ever bought a house, you know what it means. You have to put that money up and it's held by mm-hmm. a third party, essentially. It's held for release. The, the amount of money that needs to be put into that state, meaning it comes out of Mike Brown's pocket, to pay for guaranteed money on a contract is now smaller than it used to be. They can do more pay as you go. And so that should help the Bengals a little bit deal with higher guaranteed money demands in the past. You know, I've theorized openly that the team doesn't have the liquid assets it needs to put that money up. And that's why they've shied away from guaranteed money historically. I'm not sure if that continues to be the case with the way revenue sharing works in the NFL, but it, might be an explanation for why the Bengals historically have shied away from guaranteed money. Cause it's not like these guys don't get paid. You know, everyone that is a Bengals fan that likes to defend the team always points out, you know, these guys see more of the contract with the Bengals and other teams, which I'm not even sure if that's true lately, the way the team has sort of modernized their release and cap management on, on that side of things. I don't know if players are seeing the life of the contract as much as they used to. And so it will be interesting to see if they, they use some of these contract structures that the rest of the NFL is using, or maybe, you know, put the money into that year one roster bonus. Then it's not signing bonus. Maybe signing bonus is a problem that you don't like, put it into a roster bonus instead, put it into year one, front load the cash a little bit. And, and, and then you don't have to worry about the escrows much. I'm not sure. I don't know what the problem is with the Bengals and guaranteed money. I, I don't know if we've ever had an opportunity to ask, why don't you guarantee more money in the contracts? And maybe even if we did ask the question, it would just be met with, look, we're going to honor these contracts. I think that's what we would get. We get the same old line, but uh, if that's a holdup for Jesse Bates, I would call that unfortunate. And my, my position on this really hasn't changed with the salary cap set to go up roughly 50%. And the reason for that, we've had some people ask this question. The reason for that is because there's a hundred million more dollars per team coming to teams in TV revenue. And that doesn't count other NFL revenues that are set to increase or projected to increase in the coming years. No matter what the contract is for Jesse Bates, 17, $18 million a year, they're going to be totally fine 
for Joe Burrow extension, for T Higgins extension, for Jamar Chase extension, for any of these guys are going to need to pay in the future. They're going to have all the cap flexibility in the world. And so re-signing, extending Jesse Bates has nothing to do with that. And so all the more reason to get it done. Keep your good players. Just give him Jamal Adams' contract. Sure. Just give him the deal. That 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 deal. Like, because he's 24. That's the crazy part about this. You're going to pay for his prime, and you're going to show T, and you're going to show Joe Burrow, and you're going to show all these guys, Jamar Chase, and, and really anyone you could imagine. That, man, if you come here, future draft picks, if you come here, you play at a high level, you develop, you're going to be the man and we're going to pay you like the man. And, and that's it. And that's that, that's the thing. Like, you do not want to continue to have a reputation or even have a reputation where on draft day, the agent's making a face because you go to Cincinnati, not because of the uh, the city, but because of the organization and guaranteed money and how things are going to be. It, 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 honestly, the Bengals shouldn't care if it's 16 million or 18 million per year. They should just want to get this done to say, hey, this is the blueprint. Be like Jesse Bates. I get that they need to negotiate a little bit, but there comes a point where you're right. Get the deal done. Don't have a Carson Palmer situation where the agent's like, here are all the ways that I've come up with to get you out of Cincinnati. And Carson, <laughs> being the stubborn guy he was when he was young, was like, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to do it. And I'm sure Joe Burrow had agents coming to him with the same ideas. This is how I can get you out of Cincinnati. I, you can guarantee that happened. And uh, there, there are a number of ways to shake that image. One, win. Two, pay people. Three, modernize. And, and they're doing some of that. Continue to do it and, and find ways to do it. And, and I think you and I have said it plenty of times. Get the deal done with Jesse Bates. Can you believe, James, that somebody in the comments recently accused us of being Mike Brown's nephews? Like we're too nice to the team. I mean, imagine thinking that after listening to us today. Man, I, I, all I know is his uncle Mike needs to uh, to upgrade my allowance if that's the case. <laughs> Got to pay a little bit more for us to be unabashedly in praise of the team. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow wraps up training camp Wednesday, the final day of Bengals training camp before preseason game two. We're going to wrap up where we think some of the position battles are at the conclusion of training camp going into preseason game two on Wednesday's show. And Thursday, we've got a game preview for you. Excited for preseason game two to see the starters a little bit more, to see what shakes out at this guard battle. See if somebody stands out, because I would love nothing more than to have effusive praise for Mike Jordan in taking a massive leap at right guard after this week. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one.